Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. All right, welcome back in. Hour number two here on the early line. It is the Brit, sportsgrid.com. Joe Ranieri and Dane Martinez here with you as we continue to talk the National Football League as uh, the draft has come and gone now. And we got talking uh, last segment about Cam Newton and the fact that we are in a world right now where a lot of things are crazy upside down. And in the NFL world, we're in a situation where uh, Cam Newton still doesn't have a job, and uh, we're all going to say here, I, it's a healthy Cam Newton. He says he's healthy. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder here. He is not happy the way things ended with Carolina. So, But the problem that Dane and I have been having is trying to figure out where is Cam Newton going to go. And so we did a little exercise there, if you're just joining us last segment, where we went through all the teams, and we asked a simple question, would you rather Cam Newton or would you rather the current starting quarterback, if you had your choice to start this year, yeah. all, all things being equal, right? Salary, pay, health, everything, right? Who would you rather have? Let's talk of the 32 teams. Let's talk the absolutes here right now. The, the ones where Cam is not going to get a job no matter what. Aaron Rodgers is one, right? Sure. Tom Brady. Yeah, so I think the list, Joe, we got, we, we both agreed mm-hmm. on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Tom Brady, right. Drew Brees, and Russell Wilson okay. in the NFC. Um, and then we both agreed on Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes in the AFC. I think we both were accepting of guys like Kyla Murray and potentially Carson Wentz. And I want to make a point for you, Joe. Those like eight or nine quarterbacks, yeah, those are nine of the top ten choices for the NFL MVP award. Shocker. And when it comes to the odds, right? Like, if I give you the favorite odds for NFL MVP, it's the same exact list, Joe, in order. Mahomes, Lamar, Russell, Breeze, Wentz, Watson, Brady, Rodgers, Murray. The only other name that's also in there is Dak Prescott. But I think, you know, so this goes to, I think, a more general point here, Joe, right? Like, there are some quarterbacks who lead their team, Mm -hmm. raise all boats. They are the reason the team is a contender. And these are those names, right? And then there's what I will call tier two quarterbacks, right? And and for me, a tier two quarterback is a quarterback who can get to the NFC or AFC championship game. Right. It's a good quarterback, but they're not the force. They're not the reason, right? If they've got a good scheme, if they've got good weapons, you know, if they've got a good defense, yeah, they can be a contender. I'll call that like a tier two quarterback. And that's where you get, you know, the Baker Mayfields. That's where you get the Matt Ryans, the Matthew Staffords, the Dak Prescotts of the world, right? And I believe that Cam Newton is at the very top of this kind of tier two because he can do it. We've seen it happen. He's been to a Super Bowl, but he is also that force also, Joe. Remember, he was the NFL MVP the year the Panthers went to the Super Bowl. He's literally, for me, right on that line of Tier 1 or Tier 2, and that seems to be around, what, ninth, 10th, 11th best in the NFL. And listen, there's a lot of arguments that, that people would have that they'd much rather have a healthy Cam Newton right now than a 43-year-old Tom Brady. And I'm right. not going to argue. There are arguments to be made. The bottom line is he is, without a doubt, a you know top 10 to 12 quarterback yeah. in the NFL right now that can't find a job which is crazy because there's 32 quarterbacks in a league and we just told you 22 of them suck um right. and 22 of them ain't, ain't as good as Cam so that's kind of mind-blowing to me that we're in this spot with Cam Newton right now but I do think there is going to be some team is going to come out and offer him the opportunity to come in and start and I do yeah. think he would go in and absolutely uh, win the job. So, uh, but it's one of those teams that we know for sure at, could use a quarterback is not going to do it is the New England Patriots, who of all their draft picks here this year, Dane, they opted, well, not to draft one. Um, and they did, however, sign a couple, I believe, uh, a couple of uh, a free agent invite uh, invitees kind of thing. Like, I, I believe the kid from Michigan State, Lewerke, was one of them. They brought, like, they signed in. 
Um, they basically brought in a couple of guys that probably in no way in hell are going to be able to make this team. But that was how they addressed the quarterback position. So really, it looks like Stidham or yep. Hoyer, or unless something else arises, like an Andy Dalton or something else along those lines, right. um, it really does look like they are completely content going into the season with the quarterbacks they have on the roster. I I would love to say they don't know what the hell they're doing, but we know Bill Belichick knows exactly what he's doing. There's always a method behind the madness. I mean, Lewerke is Michigan State. He only won seven games. He's a 500 quarterback there. But who knows? I, I just I don't know. Tom Brady was a six-round pick. I, I, right. I got to so, give them the benefit of the doubt that they know what they're doing. Nobody's cultivated more winning quarterbacks and made quarterbacks more money over the last 20 years than Bill Belichick and the Patriots. So I, I'm going to just say, you know what? I'm reserving judgment. They know what the hell they're doing there. Yeah, I, you know, you there are some teams, Joe, right? Mm -hmm. We give the benefit of the doubt to right. exactly. whatever, even if they make a head-scratching move, right? Because of their pedigree, we trust the front office. That's we right. trust the head coach. And clearly, the New England Patriots fit into that category. Currently, Joe... Stidham is the favorite. Hoyer is on the board. And then they do have people like Cam Newton and Andy Dalton because those are the names we hear. I'll give you one other name, Joe, okay. that I think is interesting. And we've talked about this before. Jacoby Brissett, Joe. Mm. Jacoby Brissett is another. You just said Bill Belichick has turned people into starters and got them money. Well, Jacoby Brissett was one of those guys, a yep. third-round pick who started and won games for the New England Patriots. I know he's with the Indianapolis Colts. I know Frank Reich and the Colts say they like Jacoby Brissett. Right. But, Joe, they just paid Phillip Rivers $25 million. I think there's like $20 million on Jacoby Brissett's deal. Right. Remember, they yep. paid him last year as a you know a sign of goodwill after Andrew Luck. And, Joe, they drafted Jacob Eason this weekend in the fourth round. And he is a very similar skill set. Yep. To Philip Rivers. Okay, kind of a, a lot of comps to Philip Rivers, even. I could see a universe where because they now have Eason to groom and develop, right? With right. Reich under Philip Rivers, I can see a situation where the $20 million that Jacoby Brissett is owed is now movable. And for a team like New England and Bill Belichick, this is a quarterback that they know. They have experience with. They have familiarity with. He has won games for the Patriots before. That is another name I would keep an eye on as this sort of, like, half measure. Well, Not sending Cam Newton to unseat Stidham, right? Bringing in another vet in that room who maybe becomes the starter or maybe can be comfortable as a backup because he's been one before. Think about Jacoby Brissett. That'd be the only other name I'd throw into the mix. Yeah, it's, and it's a solid point because I, I just don't, we just don't know. I do know this, that no matter what, whether it is Brian Hoyer or it's Jared Stidham, um, the reality is we're not going to have a clue as to what they're doing until it's already done. Um, and that's usually how it works with Belichick and company. So I do give them uh, credit, though, and I, I do say that nobody does a better job of putting people in a position to succeed than what they have both done there at uh, at New England. And it is going to be interesting. But again, Lewerke is a, a kid out of Michigan State, much like, uh, you know, much like uh, what's his face in uh, in Minnesota there now. Yeah, so it's you never know. They got these kind of guys are like, eh, you just don't know. Obviously, if you're going to sign an, unre you know, an undrafted free agent there and two of them happen to be quarterbacks, right? it makes you question what they're doing. I don't know if it's maybe just because they need bodies or they're looking for personnel thing. Yeah. It's, but I do know this and, and I think even you would agree, right? Like last year we watched Stidham in, um, yeah. you know, in the preseason and we both kind of said the same thing. Like this, he's actually not bad guys. Like he's got that same kind of thing where he delivers it on time. He's got the motion. He looks very quarterback esque, very, you know, very Patriot-like. We were both pretty impressed with what he did. So with Belichick, it's not about throwing it 100 yards. It's about throw it where it's got to go, make the right decision, and put it on target. That's all he really asked from his quarterback. Yeah, and, and here's the thing, right? Some of these names that we're speculating on, mm -hmm. you know, or even these undrafted free agents they bring in, Jared Stidham is ahead of them. 
Yes. Okay. Jared Stidham is ahead of them in the process. Jared Stidham has a, a yep. year with the coaching staff, a year in the building, a year of reps and experience, even some game reps, yep. right? So, I, 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 and to your point, they have experience in developing quarterbacks. They did it with Jimmy Garoppolo. They did it with the guy I just named Jacoby Brissett. Yep. Hell, they did it with Tom Brady, okay? So, I, I wouldn't, I would not be surprised. If Jared Stidham is under center for the New England Patriots week one, and I wouldn't be surprised if he wins some games for them. I absolutely would not either. And and I do know this. I give him the benefit of the doubt when they have made some guys a whole lot of money because sure. they put them in a position to succeed. And by doing so, they made uh, Matt Castle and company yeah. a whole lot of money in this league because, yeah, and then we realized that once they were not in a position to be successful where right. they needed to be more relied upon. It didn't work out all that well. But Let me so, ask you one more, Joe. Let me ask you one more. I mean, come on. You give them the benefit of the doubt. There's another quarterback out there mm -hmm. who I think is now a um, an asset that can be freely moved around. Okay. Joe. What's up with your boy Josh Rosen in Miami? I don't know. He has no place uh, in Miami. Uh, right? This kid has gotten the worst luck, man, of anybody I'm, I've ever seen. Wouldn't it be a perfect fu to the rest of the league if Bill Belichick is like, I'll take this guy who was thrown on the scrap heap not once but twice. He was a, you know, what the number ten pick overall, Joe, and he's that kind of, you know, in his head, aloof personality, not necessarily the alpha. You know, could he be the kind of piece of clay that Bill Belichick? I would agree. Oh, yep. and you have him from a song. He has no place in Miami right now, right, with Tua and Fitzpatrick. Like, I'm not saying that I believe in Rosen or that he's going to take a huge step forward, but he is out there as an asset that could be had for nothing. Yep. Uh, absolutely. And, and, it's, and it's something that's worth watching because over an undrafted free agent right. you know what i mean yeah they're not gonna they're not gonna keep three quarterbacks on the roster so right. i mean tua and fitzpatrick will be there i think a lot of that depends on when they finally get to Tua and can do the physical how where they feel he is in the you know healing process right now is he where they think he's going to be ready to go or is it a need where they figure hey if something happens to fitzpatrick game one we need Rose. We need there. somebody. So I think that'll be determined. But let's just say everyone's healthy. You're right. That is a big trade piece now for the Miami Dolphins, which I think is why they went out and got him last year. Another smart move by Chris Green and company there. You had nothing to lose. They were looking for a place to unload him at the very worst. You know, you hey, you've got a piece of quarterback that is always going to need it in this league as a backup. And you know what? Now you can get a piece for him. It cost you next to nothing last year to get him. But I feel bad for Rosen, man, because I do think, right. given the right situation, the right atmosphere, he could be a very good NFL quarterback. But it's getting to the point right now where I don't know if this kid is just that far gone where, uh, I mean, well, bounced around. In New England, where can he be rescued? I, that's a great point. That is an absolute great point. This is a former yep. top 10 first round pick. Yep. And right now, I guarantee New England could get him for a fifth round pick. Yes. You know what I mean? And it's not like New England and Flores don't have an open line of communication anyway. Yeah. You know, I, I hear you on the idea of Tua's health. Yep. But if Tua checks all the bat boxes and gets cleared, mm -hmm. you know, I don't see why that couldn't be a thing. Um, and I, we got to check up also. We got to check up on Alex Smith. Yes. Like, is he, is he playing? Is he healthy? Is he tired? Why? Why I'm risk it, dude? Like, why risk it? I don't know. I agree with you. But if he wants... To, to, to play football anymore. Yes. Like, that's a name. Don't forget about him. He's viable and should Great be point. on. Yep, very, very good point. And again, uh, Andy Dalton still remains to be seen what he's going to do there. Uh, he's another guy that certainly has in the past viable. indicated he wants to be a starter. And he still thinks he can play. And I still think he can play. And he's another guy that would also fit nicely into New England right. where if put in a position to succeed, he going to be okay. So if there's game managed, that's what Alex Smith right. is. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? That's what New England wants these guys to be. And they're not going to put Jared Stenham in a place where, all right, Jared, go out and win us games. Right. No, just don't cost us games. They'll figure out the rest. They'll out-coach the other team, and they'll exactly. put guys in a position to succeed. So I'm not buying the whole, you know, Patriots. They don't know what they're doing. The quarterback position is a mess. They've got, trust me, they've got a plan. They're going to figure out 
what it is they're hey, doing. So I got something else for you real quick on this conversation because I only Go know ahead. we have a couple minutes here, right? Go ahead. If you believe in Cam Newton, okay, right, and we just talked about it, like these quarterbacks that we think are better than Cam Newton, right? They're top end MVP candidates, okay. Yeah. If you wanted to get ahead of the market, Joe, Cam Newton is seventy to one to be the NFL MVP. Seventy to one, yeah, Ooh, right man. now because he's not even on a team. Like you know, if he got in the right situation and he performs the way we think he is capable yes. of. I mean, yes. Dak Prescott is 12 to 1 to be the MVP. Yes. You put you put Cam Newton on Denver right now, so long lock, or Big Ben's arm can't hack it, right. and put him on the Steelers, doesn't his odds zoom up to the 20 or 25 to 1 range? You know? And I said this to you also before, comeback player of the year, Joe. Mm-hmm. Cam Newton is the sixth choice for a comeback player of the year right now at uh, plus 750. And I understand some of the names ahead of him. And now Rob Gronkowski has been added right. to some of the names ahead of him. But if you believe in Cam Newton, like you and I both think he's a, a, a tier one kind of quarterback when healthy, there's ways you can get ahead of this. Yeah. I, and listen, I think that's all depends on where he's going. That's the whole problem. <laughs> Trying to figure out where he can go and actually play and succeed. It's tough, man. And if I'm Cam Newton, I'm not going to... You know, I'm not going to Jacksonville. I'm not. It's just not going to happen. I'm not going to these rebuilding places. He wants to win games now. I don't blame him. If he is 100% healthy, um, and he's not given an opportunity to compete for a starting job, um, I, you know, I'm hanging him up there. It's just as simple as that. I'm just shocked. I think this next couple of weeks is going to be very telling when it comes to the Cam Newton sweepstakes. As yeah. to who's going to show interest. And you and I both know, Dane, from now until training camp start, right? There's going to be somebody gets hurt. There That's always is. There Some always is. There's gonna, someone's going to get hurt. plenty of opportunities, I think, still on the horizon. But it still doesn't take away from the fact that Cam Newton right now does not have a job in the NFL. And yet, like Dane, I just did. He's a top 12 quarterback in the NFL right now and can't find a place to play, which is either a big indictment on Cam Newton or it just shows you how screwed up the NFL. Yeah, how screwed these organizations are because they either overpaid for the guys that they have or they're not in a position to go out and get the best quarterback on the market right now. And really, the only best quarterback left on the market is Cam Newton. So. We'll keep an eye on that as it moves along. We'll also talk about some of these trades that took place here over the weekend that actually have made some teams a little more competitive and um, worked out, I think, for both sides. So we'll talk about the Dolphins and the 49ers and some of these other teams that put trades together. And we'll do that coming up next as we continue. It is the early line. It is the sportsgrid.com. And we'll be back right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in here to the grid. It is the early line, SportsGrid.com. Joe Ranieri and Dane Martinez here. As we continue to push along and uh, as we wind down the month of April, looking forward to a very positive and uh, safe May. And I can't believe it, Dane, when you, the more I look at the calendar and the more I realize like it's, it's May, <laughs> like it's May already. Like this is unbelievable. And uh, as May approaches, we also know that uh, some of the other sports leagues uh, certainly are contemplating and putting together a plan of attack on how they're going to go ahead and get back on the court, in the stadiums, on the field. And uh, we know the NBA will be first up there as they look to uh, opening up some of the facilities around the country and cities uh, that would be allowed to do so, giving players an opportunity to show up and start working out again. And it's a slow process, but it's got to start somewhere, and it looks like the NBA will be first. Still trying to figure out what Major League Baseball is going to do, but I don't think that's going to be far behind. I, I do think that, and we talked about it to open the show, guys, the ability of the NFL to continue to push forward, pull off the draft the way they did, and see how 
um, how it was embraced and that they didn't really care what everybody else was saying. They continue to do what the NFL always does. And that is usually lead by uh, example and, and kind of, you know, set the trail. And that's kind of what's going on here. And I, it's going to be interesting to see how the NBA pushes forward. Obviously, there are going to be cities and places can't get back to business right. as usual. It's going to take a little bit longer. And having said that, obviously, there are places on the flip side that can. So I also think there are going to be opportunities for teams uh, that are housed in some of those cities that it's going to take a little bit longer. Um, I doubt it would be very difficult in order to find some locations where they'd be more than happy to be welcomed into. So all of that is going on. The bottom line, Dane, is April is here. And we've got an opportunity now over the next month. And again, it's hard to believe it's April. Uh, it's May. But May, I think, is going to be a very telling month because my feeling is that I think we are closer now to having some sports back by June 1st than we, I would say, two, three weeks ago when it didn't look like we were going to have anything. I would say I feel at some level something is going to be back by the time June shows up. Yeah, and let me give you even more silver linings, Joe. Mm -hmm. Okay, UFC, that fight night yes. is going to happen yes. on May 9th, I believe, right? Down on it, yes. Um, that's going to happen. The first Saturday in May is usually the Kentucky Derby. Well, yes. this Saturday, the Arkansas Derby is going to run, and a lot of the best three-year-olds yep. will be in the starting gate, so something real to check out there. Yep. Also, you know, Taiwan Korean Baseball League is mm -hmm. happening, right? And I yep. think that's interesting, another league like that, to see if they can start and not have to shut down again. Right, exactly. Yep. do it is good. Yep. And even in Europe, Joe, I am hearing that in Germany, Bundesliga. Bundesliga. Oh, man. It sounds like they may start up again that same weekend, May 9th. And I think that's very important, Joe, because that is a big-time league in Europe, right? And in Germany, yep. much like in America, there's going to be some cities and regions of the country that are in different places in yep. their curve. And I think I will look to read the tea leaves of Bundesliga in Germany, the KBO in Taiwan to Love see it. how they do it, if fans are in attendance, how they get creative with it to get any lessons learned. But we're going to see horse racing and fighting in the month of May here in America. Uh, we're excited. We're keeping the glass half full here as we push along on the early line. And it was nice this past weekend where we finally got um, some sports. We had a weekend where we had sports to look forward to in the draft here, Dane. And now, of course, now that the draft is over and we remain optimistic as uh, many states are, are pushing along to getting back to some semblance of normalcy, uh, we're trying to put it all together and figure out, all right, what do these teams look like now that they've gone ahead in what I think is obviously the most watched draft, but also I think one of the more talented drafts that we've had in a long time where a lot of a lot of those kids, first round, second round, third round, they're going to be starters on, on teams here this year, which is great. Uh, it's great news for them. I think it's always great news for the league. But at the same time, there was also some trades uh, that took place with existing NFL players here, Dane. Some went under the radar because so, there was so much focus on the draft. But, um, you know, there was one big trade, of course, that we had heard about, and we weren't sure what was going to happen to Trent Williams, right? We just, we, we didn't know what was going to happen other than the Washington Redskins botched that beyond belief. This is a franchise left tackle thing. Like the kind oh, yeah. of, the kind, the kind of all-star franchise yeah. that, that don't grow on trees here, folks. You, you, don't, you don't just replace him to protect your quarterback. Uh, but he has found a new home. And I'm, I, I was a little shocked on how it happened, when it happened, but the 49ers got themselves, uh, especially coming off the news that Joe Staley would yeah. be stepping away from the game for health reasons, income Trent Williams. That doesn't happen very often, Dane, where you lose one potential Hall of Famer and you bring in another. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, absolutely. This was, in my opinion, a big trade. All these trades happened on day three of mm -hmm. the draft where we were moving kind of you know, lower level picks in parts right. of the package. But this was the big one. And I got a couple of points on this one, Joe. One, you mentioned Joe Staley. And I think a huge kind of like assist has to go to Joe Staley because he went into the office and told Shanahan and Lynch, listen, guys, I think I'm going to hang him up. 
And he told them this before the draft so that the 49ers were clued in right. and knew that they needed to address this. But guess what? The rest of the league was not clued in, right? Because if everyone knows San Francisco needs it, then Washington can kind of milk them for it, right? Or apply the squeeze. Leverage is different. And I think this is an important ju juxtaposition, Joe. Mm -hmm. Joe Staley and whatever working relationship he had with the 49ers right. was a good one. And look at what can happen, right? Contrast that, Joe, with Trent Williams and the working relationship he had with the Washington football team. Crazy. You know what I mean? I think it's a very big difference. I will also note Shanahan was in Washington when mm -hmm. Trent Williams was going to those Pro Bowls. So familiarity reigned supreme on that one. You take out Bailey, you put in Williams. The Hall was, I believe, on the Washington side, a yep. third rounder and a fifth rounder. Last thing I'll mention, I think this is ironic also, Joe, with that pick. Mm -hmm. Washington team turned around and drafted a tackle out of LSU, presumably to plug and play there. And this is an interesting tackle, Joe. Mm -hmm. This tackle that had all the athletic skills, was like a blue chip guy, yep. but missed six games due to suspension. Why? Because he was smoking weed. Well, That's guess correct. what, Joe? In the new collective bargaining agreement in the NFL, you don't get suspended for smoking weed. So, like, the flag that was Hallelujah. there is yep. not a flag anymore. Maybe a reason that he's actually better than kind of what he was rated as because of that interesting dynamic. But Trent Williams goes right there on that line in San Francisco. Or, you know, Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostart. And if you want to add Debo Samuel and now Brandon Ayuk to the thing that are going to maybe be running plays yep. with Trent Williams behind them, I really love this move for San Francisco. I think it was fantastic. I really do. And it, it doesn't often happen that way where you can get that yeah. kind of quality. You lose a Hall of Famer on the offensive line, and all of a sudden you get one of the game's uh, very best in a left tackle position. And Fran was really important in that. Who also understands the scheme, having, uh, you know, been there with uh, with their coach before. So good stuff for the 49ers, head to toe from them. Uh, also, it was, we weren't sure what was going to happen to the Dolphins as far as the running back position right. goes. We know they got... You know, Jordan Howard, they went out, which is, you know, we, we know we're going to get a little bit of experience there. We thought maybe Swift would have been in play, that they would have gotten in a position during the draft to go get one of those running backs. It didn't work out that way. But on day three, they went and got themselves a uh, running back. Another move by the 49ers, this time sending uh, Matt Prieta to the Miami Dolphins. And I thought this was really interesting, too, because, again, we're not talking about a um, – it's not a huge name in the running back position, but Jordan yeah. Howard and Matt Prieta bring a hell of a lot of experience in that room. They bring, uh, you know, a, a desire. They're exactly the kind of players that fit the, the mold of what they're building here in Miami. They are tough-nosed, hard-nosed football players. Both have had a history of uh, injuries, but both are going to help a very young Miami Dolphins team uh, become very uh, contenders sooner rather than later. So I think Brieta was kind of in that situation where he was always going to be maybe the second guy, one week, third guy. Uh, I think him and right. Howard are a pretty good tandem here in Miami to start the year with. Yeah, I, I love this move, Joe, mm -hmm. for the Miami Dolphins. This What this also speaks to for me is that Miami is doing this rebuild the right way, Joe. Yeah, yeah. It really does to me. How much time have we spent in the last few weeks talking about how when you pay the running back mm -hmm. or when you draft the first-round running back, how it ultimately paints you into a corner, right? right? We've talked about that so many times. They're looking to trade Leonard Fournette. Gurley gets moved. You know, this idea of running backs not going in the first round. Our guy Craig Mish, you know, Thought the Dolphins yep. were connected to Swift, even at the first round level, picked 26, he thought, right. maybe at the second round. Instead, Joe, they get the offensive lineman. In the second round, they get another offensive lineman. I love prioritizing that position in the draft, right? That's correct. Cornerback Noah, I'm not going to pronounce his last name. They get the right positions in the draft, and they go, I don't want to say like blue light special bargain basement necessarily, right. but they understand all right, Dan. Well, I, I got to ask you, too. There was uh, obviously a couple of more trades here than uh, just Brieter and Trent Williams. The 49ers seem to be very busy. Yeah, we're moving. Yeah, they're moving a lot of people to a lot of places. And it, it doesn't surprise me with Shanahan, uh, really, because the guy is really about scheme and fit. And maybe, 
I don't know. I mean, those receivers to me were always, he didn't have that number one. He's hoping obviously Ayuka's going to do that, but it's kind of a lot of interchangeable parts and the way they traded and did some of the things here, it looks like Brieda and that good way. All of these guys are interchangeable and what's going on here. Good for Philadelphia, I guess. Yeah, I, I think that's a very good point, Joe. And I mentioned this also previously because a lot of people thought the San Francisco 49ers with their first draft pick right. were going to go get one of those top-end wide receivers, right, the Judys or the Lambs. And I didn't know that that was going to be the case because of the point you just made, Joe. Right. Right. Shanahan does this guy via scheme. Yes. You know, he gets people open via scheme. I'd say the same thing about the Ravens, right? And their play action game. It's not like they need the crisp route runner. It's not like right. they need the number one alpha out there. They lost Emmanuel Sanders. You mentioned they've also moved Marquise Goodwin, who's a track star. Right. Joe. And I like this for Philadelphia. Remember, Philadelphia, like Green Bay, needed wide receivers, yep. but drafted a potential quarterback early on. But for Philly, it wasn't as big of a deal because they take Rager in round one, right? Right. They also go ahead and draft John Hightower out of Boise yep, State absolutely. in round five. They draft Quez Watkins out of Southern Mississippi in round six, and they bring in Goodwin. So they're going quantity over potential quality, and I think that is very interesting. We'll see them all fight it, all, fight it out yep. along with potentially Alshon Jeffrey, along with potentially Deshaun Jackson. Right. You know the tight ends that are there. But I like how Philly used, uh, got a lot of options in there for their wide receiver room. And for San Francisco, I think the point you made is legit. They, they, they need a specific archetype yep. of wide receiver who can kind of do it all. And Marquise Goodwin has world-class speed but is a vertical threat receiver. Yeah, and again, it's not that he's a bad receiver or that it just, again, they have interchangeable parts there with Shanahan's offense that allow them to do that. You replace one for the other. Um, and I think it's good because that's exactly the kind of thing that Philadelphia needs. Deshaun Jackson, that vertical threat last year, wasn't able to be that vertical threat anymore for them. And they kind of missed those guys able to stretch the field for Carson Wentz, who's got a cannon. But we've seen now in this NFL what it is when you get those guys that can take the top off a defense, which is why, you know, Henry Ruggs was the first, uh, yep. you know, wide receiver taken off the board which is why in uh, Kansas City they're just so dangerous with Tyreek Hill. And, uh, and I think that's the kind of role they're going to be able to play there. So, you know, I'm looking at all these trades, Dane, including, and we got just under uh, two minutes here. I'm looking at these and I'm going, all the trades that I saw on day three with existing, you know, players for draft picks and whatever, um, it, it was kind of win-win for a lot of them, including Indianapolis. Yeah, I think that is uh, fair. Indianapolis clearly had someone they were targeting in round right. six, and they traded Quincy Wilson, a cornerback, mm -hmm. over to the Jets. The same way that the Eagles are going with, let's bring in a lot of wide receivers and see how it shakes out, that's what the Jets are doing at the cornerback right. position. Right. Okay, you know they signed uh, Desir from the Colts and now get another Colt cornerback. They drafted the kid Hall in the fifth round. Right. You know, So they are getting in competition, and Quincy Wilson will be part of that competition. And, and Joe, they, they traded a six-round pick for him like two or three years ago. Quincy Wilson was a second-round right, pick. Right, exactly. Okay, so maybe there's still some value. They're going to shake the trees and have an open competition in New York at the cornerback position. I think it makes sense. And the Colts, you know, had a guy that they wanted in the lineman. Yep, and listen, it works out for everyone. We'll see if it works out, of course, on the field. But certainly on paper, a lot of what we've seen uh, has made sense. And the 49ers were extremely busy. John Lynch and company extremely busy there over the draft weekend trying to do everything they can to get another run at it and uh, they certainly did well in the draft they did well in the trades they've got a vision they're going for it and again it's all about what is uh, jimmy garoppolo going to be so interesting stuff from the trading standpoint of course the draft we'll have more on that we'll also uh, take a look at some of our favorite teams on whether or not we like what they did including the new york jets We'll talk about that coming up next here. It is The Grid, sportsgrid.com.
sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. sportsgrid.com. All right, welcome back in. It is the early line here on the grid, sportsgrid.com. Joe Ranieri and Dane Martinez here as we go around the NFL and take a look at uh, some of our favorite teams here and really dive into whether or not when I say favorite teams, I mean the Jets, of course. <laughs> and it is very fitting um, that the news uh, broke here over the last 24 hours, of course, that the uh, Jets and Jamal Adams, they're all world safety. There was a lot of back and forth here last year with uh, with Adam Gase and Joe Douglas about whether they wanted him, they didn't want him. Obviously, everybody came to the conclusion that he is exactly the kind of piece that you build a defense around, and yeah. he really is, defensive leader. Uh, but he had that fifth-year option coming up, and there really was, believe it or not, I mean, it is the Jets after all, Dane, there was some question on whether or not they were going to exercise that option on them, but it turns out they decided that yes, they are absolutely exercising that fifth year option, which is going to pay them about $10 million, I think. Hopefully, they're going to be able to work out a long term deal, but at least we know he ain't going anywhere. He's going to be in the Jets uniform next year. Right. Like, for example, Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston did not have their options picked right. up. Exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. So, so, yes, this is step one of that process, showing them a little bit of love that we still want them in green and white. You know, you, you said it. He's one of the top five, three safeties in the NFL. So it's important. This is the kind of piece you build around. We think Joe Douglas and the Jets had a good draft. I know we'll talk about it um, more mm -hmm. in this segment. But, you know, as they are building something, right. Jamal Adams needs to be a piece of the puzzle. Yeah, no, it's exciting. Uh, it's exciting stuff. I mean, when you look at the draft that they had in the whole, I don't think they realized they were going to have Becton. I'm fairly certain that they didn't realize that they were going to have uh, Becton there available uh, right. to them at number 11. But really being able to get what many people thought was might be the, the biggest athlete then in the uh, yeah. I mean offensive line, right? I mean, so the fact that they got Becton, they I thought they already nailed the first uh, the first pick because you and I for weeks leading up to the draft went if the Jet, I mean it would be nice to get that shiny toy. But please let them go and, and let them get whoever that best offensive lineman on the board is. And I think they got the one that everyone really thought was going to go first to uh, to the Giants, but landed uh, in the New York area, just not with the Giants, with the New York Jets. I, I could not be happier with that first pick. Yeah, I love this pick as well. Makai Becton, everyone talks about how big he is. Joe, the man is 6'7", 365 pounds. Yes. Okay. He reminds me of Bryant McKinney. Remember yes. Mount McKinney, because I know you do down in Miami as well, right? But he played for Minnesota for most of his career. And listen, he also, he ran the 40 at the combine in 5.1, Joe. Right. That is ridiculous agility. Yes, for it a is. That is six foot seven, 365 pounds. And I also love, Joe, one of the things we said, because if they didn't go offensive tackle, a lot of people thought they were going to go wide receiver, the Judy, right. Uggs, Lamb level. I was telling you, we were both on the same page. We think they could get the wide receiver in round two. Yep. And if they, because it was so deep, and this speaks to the team construction and the priorities, Joe Douglas then at number 49 decided to play chicken and roll the dice, traded down to 59, and still got one of those wide receivers with a first round grade in Denzel Mims out of Baylor, a big bodied outside yep. kind wide receiver six foot three 207 had huge stats um you know 24 i believe touchdowns over right. the last couple of years yep. at baylor and the kind of wide receiver they need crowder yep. being the slot guy already there you know perryman being the yards after the catch right. or the kind of deep threat guy and now mims is prototypically there for you uh, yep. tough at the point of the catch on the outside i like that pick and the fact that Douglas manipulated the draft yep. and still wound up with Denzel Mims. I mean, all in all, listen, I, I've seen Adam Gase in, in past drafts. Um, what's a good word? Botch it. Um, yeah, pretty much screw the pooch. Uh, you come up with any sort of saying that you want. But we didn't really know what to expect from Joe Douglas. He was not here last year during that draft. Uh, it all happened afterwards. So uh, McCagnan was doing the drafting last couple right. of years there. I thought they did an exceptional job uh, with the first couple of picks. And like you said, manipulating the draft early on to still go get the wide receiver that 
they needed in this scheme of things, that big-bodied uh, wide receiver. Sure. Uh, Mims was fantastic, and they were still able to fill an awful lot of needs on this team. They yeah. addressed some of the secondary uh, going on. It just it was nice, Dane, to finally uh, have a situation with a Jets draft where it wasn't defensive linemen the first three picks or anything along those lines. You know what I mean? It was actually, uh, and I thought and talk to me about uh, that number four pick there, running back out of Florida, P. Ryan. Yeah. We obviously know Bell. We know Adam Gase and how he likes to use running backs in the uh, in the scheme. Uh, I think it's just another great weapon. He's built like Mark Ingram. He's got the same kind of numbers, same kind of style, same everything. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I think that's a great counter to what Lev Bell brings to the table. I, I think it was a it was a really good pick at a really low cost in the fourth round. Yeah, I like the P. Ryan pick out of Florida. Led the Florida Gators in rushing, mm -hmm. I think, three years in a row. Okay, and to your point, I say this all the time with the fit, right? The type of back that is a good compliment to Le'Veon Bell. I can yep. see Pete Ryan this year being that third down back, being that guy out of the backfield. And, you know, hopefully, like you said, he's built stocky enough to also be a help in pass protection yep. as well, right? And, and, and with the Jets draft, Joe, I can see what the plan is. Right. I know what they are trying to do, right? Yes. The third round, they get Ashton Davis and they get Jabari Zuniga out, mm -hmm. out of Florida. Both of these guys are explosive speed kind of athletes on defense, okay? Zuniga, incredible top end speed. And then with Ashton Davis, he literally won the 110 meter yeah. hurdles, like exactly. in the state of California, okay? So it's clear yep. to me that they want speed on defense. Yep. And then, you know, I, I just like what they did. The last thing I'll say about the Jets draft in day three, they made five picks, Joe. Yes. They also had the trade with the Quincy Wilson, right? All five of the players that they picked were team captains, okay? So that's another piece yep. of what it seems like they are now doing, right? Getting high-character guys, guys that can be leaders in that locker room. Good that's point. part of the culture change, right? Including, Joe, in the sixth round, they draft the first punter. Yes. Off board, right? Yes. Great man out of Texas A&M. And most people, you'd be like, all right, that's a silly throwaway pick. But, Joe, I've seen the tape. This dude can bang it. Damn sure. The Ray Guy Award winner is the best punter in college in college football. You got to be kidding me. And he was a team captain. That's correct. Okay. Also, that's right. Okay. Leaders. Leaders. They made yep. nine player picks. Okay, James Morgan, the quarterback mm -hmm. at FIU, was a guy that was running up the draft boards and impressed senior week and all that stuff. They drafted nine players. Joe, mm -hmm. I believe eight of them, the backup quarterback, the only one who's not, I believe eight of them will make contributions for the 2020 yeah. Jets. And that's an incredible haul for first-year GM, or at least his first draft yep. with the Jets. I love what Joe Douglas did for the Jets. It's still a process, right. but going in the right direction. Yeah, listen, you're getting a kid. I, I love their tight end position, right? I love Griff. I love they have. They've listen. got their stuff together um, now. They've given him more weapons, obviously. I, got I still want them to get those. Right. Jokes got like 16 million in cap room right Give me start calling everson griffin and jadavion yes. county absolutely there are two edge rushers still out there and i like yep. the kids Zaniga. Yep. i know they have jordan jenkins but if they still want to you know have one big yep. splash signing i would still look at the edge rusher and griffin and Clowney are still out there yep. and some have linked them to the jets yep and, and they've got they got better younger and a little yep. quicker they're more athletic in the secondary which is what they needed to do and of course great news that we heard about them uh, being able to bring back what is uh, in all likelihood going to be the captain of that defense there in Adams. So uh, sure. good stuff there. When you look at uh, across the way, actually across the field and at other uh, that stadium they share with that other team uh, from New York, the Giants. Yep. Um, I got to tell you another interesting situation here where the Giants have a first year head coach, right? Uh, but, you know, Dave Gettleman has been there kind of putting it together and their first pick also, same situation. We we weren't sure, were they going to go Simmons in defense? Were they going to go tackle? They end up going tackle, and they go with the tackle that in all likelihood is going to fit with Jason Garrett as the new offensive coordinator, the style and the scheme that he's going to implement. He was the right fit for him, um, and again, you didn't screw it up. It could have been very easily for them to get enamored by you know, Simmons or another big name, but they ended and that defense need help. But you got to protect 
um, your quarterback and the fact that you went out and you didn't screw it up with the number four pick and took the best offensive lineman to your scheme. I thought they I thought they did a great job in this draft as well. I agree with you, Joe. And I don't want to sound like a homer here, mm-hmm. but I think Giants did a good job. And here's yep. part of the reason why. They they knew what their needs were. Right. Okay. Offensive line was a need. They spend their four, their number, you know, one pick, fourth overall with their pick of the litter there. They doubled down on it in the third round, right? Getting the tackle out of UConn. Yes. Doubled down on it again in the fifth round. Okay, getting a guard out of Oregon. That's three linemen that they drafted in their first five picks, addressing the need. Right. Then they get the base, the best safety on the board, in my opinion, fall to them in the second round and Xavier McKinney. Unbelievable. Right? I could not believe he was there. I could not believe he was still there. And then yeah. listen, think about like in, in free agency, they brought in, remember, Bradbury, the yes. corner of Carolina, already signaling that cornerback secondary is a need. They get McKinney in the second round. They spend their fourth round pick on a cornerback. They spend one of their seventh round picks on a quarterback. Again, loading up multiple shots in the barrel for a position of need. And then they did it again, Joe. Yep. In, in, in free agency, remember they got not one, but two former Green Bay Packer linebackers. That's correct. Yep. Right? So linebacker seems to be a position of need for them. Oh, what do you know? The only picks in the draft that weren't linemen or members of the secondary <laughs> were our linebackers. They did it in the sixth round yep. twice and in the seventh round. So the Giants made, uh, by all accounts, say nine or ten picks. That's correct. Only at three positions, Joe. Yep. They put it up on three positions of need, adding competition to where they thought they were weak. I like what they did. I really do. And again, first year head coach there, Dave Gettleman in there, obviously pushing the need for um, protection for Daniel Jones, giving yeah. him and then addressing that secondary. McKinney, I think, was a great pick for them. Uh, beefed up the line. They took the kid Lemieux out of Oregon, which I thought was a really good pick for them, getting a little more athletic on that offensive line. Um, yep. Holmes, the cornerback from UCLA, again, building that defense. Um, the kid that they got... Was from it uh, the kid, kid from UConn? Was a yeah. beast, man. That, that kid is a beast. Yeah. We just about Makai Becton, right? Yes. Being six seven. Well, Matt Pert is six seven, also. Now a huge dude. Yeah. Well, think about it. They drafted Matt Pert out of UConn, six seven. Yes. Three eighteen. Andrew yep. Thomas, six five, three fifteen. Yep. These could be bookend tackles. I know they have Nate Soldier, and I got to give a shout out, Joe. Also, Pert out of UConn. Yeah. He's also a Bronx kid. All right. That's so correct. I like the Bronx kid making good. Oh, and by the way. Saquon Barkley is from the Bronx as well. Exactly correct. Now, great job by both New York teams there in figuring it out and getting, addressing the needs and building the team. Both teams really rebuilding in in many aspects there and moving on to a new era. But if I'm certainly Sam Darnold, I'm ecstatic that I've got a little more protection. I'm not going to be on my ass. And you had, you know, you had mentioned it uh, earlier in the week, Dan, how, you know, Sam Darnold, even the limited action he was in, he usually spent most of it either on his ass or being chased around. So the it starts with the protection up front, being able to run the ball. They're going to be able to do that. And uh, listen, when it goes well, for I'll say this about Adam Gase. A lot of what he does is a little frantic. Um, and again, last year was all frantic when you lose him the mono first thing in the thing. It's just exactly. craziness and injuries and everything else. But you could see that when they got it rolling, um, there was a progression there for Sam Darnold uh, who came back. So I'm looking forward to this year to see, you know, now that you got him some weapons, I can't wait to see where they go from here and what is that next step because build the offensive line, build it out, give them some weapons, and all of a sudden uh, now you have a healthy defensive, uh, you know, defensive oh, yeah. linebacking crew. that That's a game changer to them, and let's see – what, uh, you know, what Greg Williams is able to put together here with this crew he's got coming in. Yeah, I think so. You know, going into last year, Joe, mm-hmm. many people thought Sam Darnold was going to be a quarterback who took that step forward, That's right? right. Yep. They like what they saw at the end of his rookie year. He's still a blue chip prospect. A lot of people were confident yep. that maybe with Adam Gaze, they'd be able to take that step. Well, I, I honestly, and call me maybe rose-colored glasses as a Jets fan, but the kid had mono, Joe. Right, exactly. The kid had mono for, like, uh, the beginning of the season and made it very hard for him to, you know, develop in that system. Yep. Second year now with Gaze, a full off season. Remember, they went 6-2 and two in their last eight games in the season. And, Joe, mm-hmm. they are going to have five new 
offensive line starters. Crazy. and Beckton yep. at tackle. They re-sign Alex Lewis. They bring right. in Van Roten from Carolina right. and McGovern, the center from Denver. These are five new offensive line starters. Right. Not only, and their wide receiver group, listen, it's serviceable. Yes, it with is. Perryman, you know, with Perryman, Mims, and now Crowder. Yep. That's plenty of weapons. And guess what, Joe? Honestly, I'll give you a bet that I think you can click submit on right now. They're hanging totals for uh, scrimmage yards really? for Le'Veon Bell. Okay. Okay. And they have his number at something like 1,300, rushing and receiving and yards. And receiving yards. Okay. I think Le'Veon Bell is going to get a huge bump. I do, too. He's got a real offensive line yep. this year. Let's yep. not forget, Le'Veon Bell is one of the best backs in football. Yep. And I think with an offensive line and consistency at quarterback, second year, I would not be surprised that people forgot about Le'Veon Bell. I'll take his over on prop bets, and I'll take him in the third round of fantasy football drafts this year and be just fine. Man. I'm with you, man. I, I don't think the craziness is about Le'Veon Bell. Absolutely. And he's the forgotten man and i love that about it too because he's also kind That's of stayed right. in the back he hasn't right. the man got his money line it's a lot different he has that patient running style exactly now correct. we have a real offensive yep. line i think he will be a huge beneficiary can't wait for it i mean a lot to be excited about i also don't think and we'll talk about this tomorrow i don't think that the craziness from a trading standpoint i still think there's a couple of big trades in the works so i don't there. think green bay is done Looking right. for wide receiver help. I do think there's a couple of names out on the market. You mentioned Clowney. I think there's absolutely a place that he's going to fit in rather easily. So we're not quite done yet. There was some question about maybe the Cowboys going after um, Jamal Adams there. But at least we know for the next year, he's going to be uh, just fine where he's at with the New York Jets. So much to discuss. We'll dive into that again tomorrow here, guys, on the early line. Make sure you're logging in, subscribing, and following us and all of that good stuff. You've got the morning after, I believe, uh, coming up here. But Dana and I will be back tomorrow morning. We'll do it all over again here on the early line. So be safe. We'll talk to you again on The Grid. This is SportsGrid.com. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.